Hello, and welcome to the Strength to be Human podcast with your host, author and playwright Mark Anthony Rossi. This show explores all forms of creativity for those searching for meaning and a place in the world. To err is human, but so is to love. Now, without further ado, here's your host. Hi, folks, and welcome back to Strength to Be Human. This is episode number 75. Yes, the big 75. This episode, we're going to do uh, just a new type of show uh, called our mailbag. I wanted to share some uh, some of the email and even some of the texts I get sometimes from folks. And I wanted to broaden it out, not just for the, the podcast, Strength to Be Human, but also some of the information and questions and, and statements and compliments and hey, even negative ones uh, from Ariel Short. The, uh, that's a literary journal that I also... Um, I am editor-in-chief with, and, and, and sometimes there's some direct relations to the podcast. Oftentimes, we, we're able to, uh, you know, solicit some interviews from people to bring them on to this show. So I wanted to share that with you. I thought it'd be interesting and, and, and fun, a little little change of pace, something a little bit more lighthearted than, than, than usual, okay? All right, so um, sometimes I could read the question directly, and other times it's just better to, to paraphrase it, especially if I got multiple ones of, the, of a similar vein. I can answer them all at once, so we don't have to be answering the, the same type of question over and over again, okay? Uh, the first one is, uh, why, and I'll read this one directly, okay? Uh, why don't you do more current commentary on the show? Well... To put it to you really simply, okay, we're a literary show, which means that unless something out there in the world that's happening, whether it's in science or politics, governments, military, whatever, unless it has some real relation to what we're trying to do here on the show, I don't often bring it up. I don't really feel a need to, and I really don't want to invite too much more into the show than the literary uh, agenda, uh, if you want to call it that, or goal, or you know, pretty much the, the topics that we want to do, we want to try to stick to literary things. So that's the reason why I don't really introduce very much in that. At time to time, it might happen. I don't know. It, 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 it might be by accident. And sometimes maybe just because I feel it maybe has some sort of metaphoric relationship to what we're trying to do. Other than that, I, it just, it's best to stay away with it. There's a million podcasts out there, folks. Okay. That uh, do all kinds of stuff. Beer shows, gun shows. Uh, there's probably a hundred sports shows or podcasts. You know, you got people doing basket weaving and afterlife experiences and astrology and you know religious stuff. I mean, you name it. So there's not a lot of literary shows. It's one of the reasons why I wanted to do this in the first place. There's simply just not a lot. I mean, there's like a handful, and I guarantee you them without trying to pat myself on the back. And many of them are just not doing what I'm doing. They're not talking about the toughest subjects. You know. They're having, uh, you know, 17 soliloquies on, you know, Jane Austen or something. But, you know, we're not, we're not talking about things that are they're important for today, uh, day and age. So, why not have a show that, that covers a lot of these topics? Because, quite frankly, it's still important on a, on a literary base to have a, a better understanding about what's going on with, with, with people when they suffer from depression or, or addictions or, you know, you got writers that are dealing with sexual harassment, you know, in the writing environment and even in their job 
in their job environment. All those sort of things. They have a real relationship to literary things and what we're doing. So it's important to talk about those and, and sort of bring things up to the to the 21st century. We just try to do it in a more practical and uh, I feel realistic manner. And and that's that's what I think separates us from the other shows. They just don't tackle the harder things. You know, I don't know, maybe just people want to just listen to their easy stuff because they've had a hard day. That's fine. This is probably not the show for you then. What can I tell you? All right. Um, all right. Here's another one here. I heard you once say that you believe you you don't believe in past life therapy. Isn't that a closed minded thing to say? Almost bigoted, actually. This is actually the question. So I'm reading it word for word. Sometimes I have to just because, uh, you know, I want to answer it more directly. I'll, I'll listen to the direct question. OK, it sort of goes to the first question. Um, uh, emailer or reader, listener, whatever you want to call yourself. Um, we don't do a lot of commentary. OK, but I did mention one time that, no, I didn't. I didn't take that sort of thing seriously. But that that's my opinion. It, it's not like, uh, you know, I'm doing a whole show on uh, anyone who believes in past life therapy is is silly. Because I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that I don't take that seriously. And I don't really think that it's very useful in connection to, to literary things. You know, I've heard some people, you know, literally talk about that um, they felt that some sort of past life therapy had helped them improve their own, I guess you could say, outlook in life. And that, of course, in, its, in turn, helped them to become better writers. If that's the case, that's fine. Why not? I don't have a problem with that. But as a whole, it's not it's not really a philosophy that I'm into that all that I take seriously. Okay? That's fine. There's plenty of people out there in the audience right now that don't take, you know, other philosophies seriously. It doesn't mean anyone's big and bigoted or closed minded. It just means I don't agree. I know. I know the world has become complex and everybody wants to complain about everything. So if you don't agree with somebody, you must be a bad person. Hey, there's a lot of stuff I don't agree with you on. Sometimes they mention on the show, sometimes they don't. But Quite frankly, folks, I'm not afraid to mention it. If you get mad, you get mad. And anyone knows me already and knows the show and knows what we try to do over here, you know, I'm only speaking from my own my own truth and my own sincerity and my own heart. That's it. If that can be misconstrued, which it probably can sometimes, or taken in a, in a different context, oh well. I, I'm not even going to offer apologies because I don't feel that I need to. I know who I am. And if you listen to enough of the show, you'll know who I am too. So it's not hard to figure it out, okay? All right, as many people believe in that, God bless them, okay? If they can get some literary sense out of that, why not? But I'm not for it. It's not something I endorse. It's not something I think practical enough. I think there's 20 other things you could be doing to improve your writing rather than trying to find your past life reincarnated from 600 years ago, okay? I just don't see the practicality in it. Maybe that's just me. That's fine. Okay. There we go. All right. Uh, what was that bio controversy I read on Facebook? All right. Well, I don't know about how much of a controversy it was, but here it is in a nutshell. I've had two instances, all right? The first one, the writer, instead of just taking some responsibility for their actions and just fessing up and getting it over with, they just they wind up digging themselves in a deeper hole. Maybe... People who listen to this show forget, and, and maybe and maybe that's my fault because I don't I'm not barking out every five minutes. I'm a writer. I'm this. I'm that. You know, people either know that already, or maybe they don't know that, or maybe it's just taken for granted that I'm just doing all this other stuff and I don't write anymore. I don't really know. I, I'm not really trying to hit people over the head with it, but 
the truth is, is I'm also writing. I'm also sending things out to various publications. It's part of why I have this show. It's also part of why I speak on a lot of these topics because it's not just a bunch of hot air to make everybody feel better or maybe maybe not to make everybody feel better. I just don't do it for the joy of it. It's because I actually have direct experience. I'm speaking from experience on things I'm doing that are often no different than you. All right. So I had an occasion, and this is entirely by accident because I'm not hunting for this, but it happened. had an occasion where I happened to be published with somebody else who I published in Aerial Chart. Well, guess what? Their bio never reflected Aerial Chart, and I'm not happy about that. I've mentioned it on my guidelines. I mentioned it on the show a few times. I'll mention it here again, okay? It gets very tiresome to hear writers talking about all the respect they're supposed to get Yet, they, they give very little sometimes to these magazines that publish them. You know, I get these silly bios with, uh, yeah, and a bunch of uh, so-called magazines that I published in, not even naming one of them. I mean, are you kidding me? We're supposed to do all this work for you and we can't even be named? Folks, we depend on that. We depend on the brand that's out there in your bio, the publicity that, that comes from it. Believe it or not, it's important. I can't tell you how many times I've gotten people who've submitted work with me because they saw somebody else have aerial chart in their bio. Hey, what's that? And they looked it up and they found me. I've had a few shows based on that in terms of people saying, hey, I'm glad I got the interview with you and this is how I found you and blah, blah, blah. Because writers being honorable and doing the right thing put me in that bio, as they should. But I caught this person and I, of course I know who they are. They, they, I have their email. So I'm emailing them. Hey, this is unacceptable. There's no way you can tell me that I'm not supposed to be in your bio. I just published you like two months ago. The standard rule, folks, is about six months, meaning that when someone publishes you, usually within the first six months or so is when you should keep that. After that, you know, you could drop it off and put other things on. But that's how you show some respect and, and give people some credit for something that they've done for you. We've supported you. The small thing in return is to support us by mentioning us in that bio. It's just that simple. Unfortunately, this person who ironically is even older than I am, acted like a child. Threw a tantrum, started yelling and screaming, sending me uh, like practical death threat emails, which is hilarious because I'm not really the person to, to do that with. Be glad you don't live around where I'm at because we'd have a real problem and it won't be literary, I can tell you that. And then I went on Facebook and, you know, and blah, blah, blah. This guy's mean, this guy's unfair, this, that, and whatever. Hey. You, you, you want to be disrespectful, you want to be fraudulent, and you want to be dishonest. That, that has nothing to do with me and what I did. So I literally removed that person's poem from my magazine. And I told them this is unacceptable and I'm not publishing you anymore, period. I'm not going to play those kind of games with people. So I don't know if that's a controversy or not. I don't know what other editors do. I don't spend too much time talking to other editors. I do now and then, but oftentimes we're not really talking about all of these sort of subjects. You know? Because... The truth of the matter is, is that my rules are my rules. So it makes no sense talking to another magazine about their rules because I'm not interested in what they do. I'm interested in what I'm doing, okay, because I put the time in this. So they, these are my rules. And my rules is you, you show us some respect, okay, because we're already showing you respect. We're publishing you. You got that great archive out there you can use. You know, oftentimes you could put your book out there in your bio or your, your, or your link to your own writing site. You know, we, we do all we can to help people. You know, if, if people are interested and they have enough of a body of work, I'll try to bring them onto the podcast too. So we do a lot to help people. I don't think it's too much to ask. I had somebody else 
of a similar situation. And again, no, no, no honesty, just pretending like it didn't exist. Okay. A person that I had published not even six months ago asked me to uh, to look at some more work. And, and I looked at the work. And, and one of the first things I saw was a bio that was radically changed from the last one six months ago. We wasn't even added in there at all. So I asked them politely, hey, what's this? You know, and again, oh, I forgot. I just did that, blah, blah, blah. I, 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 again, I'm not forgetting you folks. Don't forget us. And, and please... They alienate my debit card and the dog ate my homework. And I, I, we're all too old for the excuses, okay? You're going to be accountable for your actions or you're not. It's just that simple. It's not It's not a, a hard rule to figure out. It's not a harsh understanding of things. It's just simply plain respect and, and, and a little bit of gratitude. That's it, you know? I'm not asking anybody to, to, to name me the god of the universe, okay? Or the greatest editor that ever lived. I'm just simply saying... Show my magazine a little respect, please, because I think we do a lot for people. I like to see a little bit of that. That's that's all I'm saying. It's really not that difficult. So I'm not really sure how controversial that is. I don't really know if other mag other magazines or other editors go as far as you know I do in something like that. And and that's fine. If they don't, they don't. You know, I'm not asking anybody to. I'm just saying this is what gets my craw. Lots of them have all kinds of strange. You know philosophies and and guidelines, okay? And I don't I don't really cue them. You know what I mean? I got people I know editors that literally want to speak three hours about fonts, and and type size and 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 double spacing, okay? That's somehow important to them. I don't really care about any of that kind of stuff. I know I'm gonna to have to rearrange stuff. I know I'm gonna to have to reformat stuff to convert it over to get onto my uh, aerial chart. So this way everything is uniform. I'm really gonna to have to do that work. There's nothing more you can really do for me. And I have to change it anyway. So, fine. I, I live with that. I don't know why they don't, but I do. But I'm not going to live with, with being dis, disregarded or, or disrespected. That's not going to happen. All right, let's go to the next one here. Okay. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I, I, I had... This is more of a statement than it, I guess it was a question, but it and, and it's kind of ironic. Um, we had a... um. A press, and I don't need to mention their name, but they was pretty much trying to tell the writers that the reason why they were charging them so much money just to read the stuff, I'm not even talking about anything else yet, okay, was because their products, uh, meaning their magazine, which is a print one, and also the print books that they do from their press, uh, was made from recycled paper from a local printer, which is different than Lulu, which does it a lot cheaper, but doesn't do use recycled paper. So, it, it's I like to call it the excuse of the week on this one. I tell you that right now because I haven't yet to hear. I'm going to give them credit, but I have yet to hear anybody use the environment as an excuse on, on why they're, they're they're tagging these people from for more and more money. Okay, six and seven dollars for a submission, fifteen dollars for a contest. Again. That'll go to some academic friend of theirs while all your money goes out the window. And now, you know, if you want them to help you with a book project or something, they want money for that. And, you know, it's going to be on um, wonderfully recycled paper. OK, so your conscience will feel good about how you're saving the world as they're, you know, destroying your money. But that's 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 what they hear about these days. It's it's I'm amazed. I truly am. OK. 
Now I got a, I got a few comments about um, aerial chart itself. Uh, so I had some people asking me about um, I guess the the diversity of and I don't mean the people behind the poem or, or fiction. I mean just the diversity of how we don't really have a theme. You know, so I got a lot of people asking me. I read your guidelines. I haven't found the theme. Um, yes, thank you for reading the guidelines. We don't have a theme. In fact, in the guidelines it says we don't have a theme. Okay, I like it that way. And the reason why I like it that way is because we can we can we can mix and we can match and we can play around and we can put different things in. It also allows me to put people in of different levels. Okay, I mean I'm going to have people in there that have been writing 35 years versus some people that maybe just started a year ago. You're going to have somebody just started writing a couple years ago that's retired. You got to have other people that literally do it professionally. It's a good mixture of all that. I don't think that another magazine's practice this, and that's fine. That's that's their prerogative. My prerogative is it should also be a place where as long as a person is demonstrating enough talent to get something decent across, it, it should be a place that's going to give them a chance, give them that first credit or whatever. I don't mind doing that. I think that's a wonderful thing to do, you know? I mean, I still have a standard. I still have some expectations. Don't get me wrong. You just can't throw, you know, uh, some crayons against the wall and, and send it in and say, uh, Mark, why didn't you publish me? You know, I'm like, I don't know. I don't speak caveman or something. We want me to tell you. But um, if I see a, a, an honest attempt and I, I, I see some, some, real, some real effort and, and some real beginnings of talent, yeah, I'm going to look into it. Sometimes I'll literally send some of that back. And I won't call it a rejection. I'll just say, listen, just try to look this over again. Try to reconsider a few things. And, and sometimes they come back even better, which is great. That's what editors should try to do as much as possible. It seems to be a lost art these days with, with a lot of editors. They don't seem to care. Everything. If, you're not, if, if you didn't win a Pritzel Prize yesterday or something, you're not good for the magazine. You know? Or if you don't have 98 credits, oh my God, I can't have you on my thing. What? This is your first time? No way. I'll look bad. So, if I could talk to editors about anything, that'd be one of the things I talk to them about. Stop worrying about yourself and, and start worrying about putting together a magazine that people are going to want to read and, and putting together a magazine that's going to help inform some writers about making better choices and, and becoming better writers and, and seeing what others have to offer and see how that influences and, and inspires them as well. Because that's what you're doing. You're helping readers understand things about the world. You're helping other writers understand something about writing and even maybe about themselves. That's what you should be doing as an editor, you know. You're not there just to be some glorified judge, you know, stamping everything, acceptance or rejection, and then you go have a bologna sandwich, okay. That's, that's not an editor, okay. That's a judge, okay. So try to be a little bit more than that, please, because that's what we try to do over at Aerial Chart. And I know a few other publications that do the same, so... We're not the only ones, thankfully. Now, I also got a few um, uh, emails uh, about Aerial Chart in, in regards to the international sort of flavor to it all, okay? And I, I made it really clear to our international um, readers and writers that regardless of whether English is your first language or your 87th language, we still have the standard of it's in English, and it has to be comprehensible enough for somebody to read it and sort of have a, a, a decent understanding. I, I, you could be a perfect English speaker and writer and still write a poem that people don't understand. So I'm not going to put that kind of standard on an international writer. 
but it still has to have something that makes some sense that that people can understand. It doesn't. It can't sound robotic, and it can't sound clunky. You know, it can't sound all stiffed, because uh, they'll know. They'll know that um, you haven't done enough to to brush up on your English, or you haven't done enough to uh, to to hide the translator issues that doesn't work too well. Because I can tell right away, folks. I've done this long enough. It's not hard to tell. And I've had to send people back. Please either get someone to help you edit this in English, improve your English, or please just stop using the Google Translator. Because, I mean, it practically shouts it out at this point. All right? I, I, that's how, how much experience I have. So please keep that in mind. So we still have that standard. I mean, I, I try to keep the same standard for everything, folks. It's no different than folks who ask me about, you know... Um, uh, listen, Mark, I'm uh, I'm depressed, and I, I got a poem that might be a little kind of rough and negative, and this that. And I'm like, I don't I don't care if it's rough, and I don't care if it's negative. It still has to have art in it, and it still has to be done well. Is you have the same standards as somebody who doesn't have depression? That that's it. I, I you can't make allowances because you'll be doing that all day long. And if you haven't heard my own mantra already, which I practice, is you can't manage by exception. You have to manage for the standard, and that's the standard. So no matter who you are, no matter where you're from, people are going to be treated equally and, 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 and they're going to be treated fairly. But I'm, I'm not going to consider, you know, because uh, a storm destroyed your village in Bangladesh, it's okay for me to, to publish this poem that's simply not up to snuff. Sorry about the village. I'll throw a couple bucks over the Red Cross, but um, your poem is not coming over the AC. It's just that simple. You know, so get with it and, and we'd be happy to get with you. All right. So uh, with that said, of course, we have a, a number of, I think I got more this time about the show um, Strength to be Human than I even got about the uh, aerial chart. I kind of saved some of those from aerial chart from the last couple months, although the, um, the bio one was, was pretty recently. And it, it's, it's, just, it's just ironic because many a times you don't really hear from other magazines why people are being rejected. And that's mainly because they use the soulless rejection letter, whether by the mail or, or by the email. You know, so you don't really know why. It's just some bogus thing they sent to everybody. You know, and it, it's to me, it, it's it's pretty disheartening. You know what I mean? That's why I call it soulless because it's just, you know, it, 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 it has no life to it. it. It doesn't even seem like it's connected to what you're trying to do. You know what I mean? But, um, here at Aerial Chart, I, I give genuine reasons why we reject people. You know, I, I've done it already a number of times with titles where I'll tell people, listen, this poem is great. I love it. Your title is horrible, okay? Your title is love. Your title is night. My favorite one, nature, please. Okay, you can't write a good poem and then give it a crappy title. That doesn't work for me. To me, it just defeats the purpose. Remember, your title is like your banner. It's like doing all this work to make a great restaurant happen and then you have like two bulbs in your light and know why no one can find you because they can barely see you because your banner is horrible. Your sign is crappy. That's what that's what a title is. It's supposed to be able to telegraph to people, boom, 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 this is what we're about. Get people interested, get them into the door, get them intrigued. It's almost like a sales marketing gimmick in a way. So when you give it a crappy title... I'm already like, Ugh. I read that. I, I I just lost all the all the wind in my sail. You know, okay. I, I want to have a bowl of cereal, but I'm almost gonna throw up because this is what you get from a horrible title. So, I am known plenty of times to reject them. 
But it's not a rejection of you stink. It's not a rejection of never come back. It's a rejection of literally this title is not poetic. This title is cliche. This title is friggin' horrible. Go back to the drawing board and get back to me. More times than not, people come up with something because they spent some more time on it now. And then I'm happy and I published a poem. I, I can't give you an exact number, but I can tell you that more times than not, I'm going to publish it. Very few people come back to me with something that, that's equally horrible. But you would believe in how many people just don't come back at all. They get mortified for it and they, and they never even send it back again. Even though I make it extremely clear in my response that this is not a classic rejection. This is, I'm sending it back because I'd like you to redo this title. And then if you sing it back to me, you know, you have a very good chance of it being accepted. As long as the title isn't horrible again. It's that simple. So, I mean, it, it, it's, it's, it's an easy thing to do. And you'd be surprised how many people don't do it. Okay? I, I tell you something, folks. There are plenty, okay, the battles to be fought in, in, in literature and writing. Even, even this day in the 21st century, when people are not really sure where literature is anymore, there's still plenty of battles to be fought. Fighting over a title that sucks, that's not one of the battles you want to fight, okay? Especially with an editor that knows what they're talking about. Especially an editor that literally reads like 3,000, literally, poems a year. Okay? So when I'm telling you that I see nature like 50 times, and night like 30 times, and love like 100 times, it's not an exaggeration. Those are real numbers. Okay, and and, and, it, and to me it's a little disheartening because it's like, what happened? You, you, you didn't have a title for this thing. You did a great job on it. Now you just threw some junk on it and then threw it threw it out to everybody. You're hurting yourself. Remember, there'll be plenty of times that there'll be other editors that agree with me and are going to reject you and they won't even tell you why and they won't give you another opportunity either. You're done. Why? Because it's night. Come on now. So keep that in mind. Uh, there's also a lot of, of other rejections that we do that are probably more singularly unique in Aerial Chart than, than other magazines. Like I told you before, I'm very serious about the bio. You know, you're going to give me a, a bio that doesn't have any credits? You better not have any credits then. Because otherwise, again, you're dismissing all those people that supported you. And the way I feel is that if you're dismissing my brother and sister magazines out there, you just guarantee you when I publish it, you're going to be dismissing me too. Why would I want to go with that then? That's crazy. And I've literally told people, no. You have a good day. And of course, I've yet to have anybody come back and say, you know, I'm, I am a miss with this. You know, I really didn't consider that. You know, I was kind of being flippant about that. No no, no contrition. No apologies. Nothing. I get, I get nasty emails back. I never heard of such a thing before. You're right. You, you probably haven't heard of respect before. Now you're hearing about it. Have a good day. Be glad I don't say anything else, because believe me, I'm not I'm not above it. <laughs> um, we also, of course, reject work. Sometimes this is more in the fiction area than, than poetry, but you know it, it it can vary depending on season or year. Um, content. I mean, you can't send me stuff where you know seventeen people are having sex with you know four animals, three demonic monsters and, and an alien and and then you're wondering why I'm not accepting that when, when I make it really clear in the guidelines that I don't want anything graphic, okay I have a lot of women that read my magazine they're not interested in that okay and, and if they see something like that, they're gonna be beating me up and rightfully so because I'm supposed to be the 
the editor-in-chief. I'm supposed to be the arbiter of taste on this thing. I'm supposed to be able to set some kind of tone. Remember, we might not have a theme, but we do have a tone. And the tone is that we're not going to be graphic. We're going to try to be interesting and creative. Uh, do, do we have a few people that push a little things now and then? Yeah, sure, and I'm okay with that. I'm even okay with some limited profanity. As long as it, it makes sense in the, in, the, in the work, I'm okay with that. I mean, we're adults, so I'm, and I'm not, I'm not a prude over here, but you know, you, you can't send me a, a short fiction that's about 1,500 words, and like 1,400 words is about 500 positions they're doing you know, on, a, on a coffee table. Uh, to me, it's not an interesting piece of work. Uh, it's going to be, I find for many people, uh, uncomfortable, distasteful, and I don't want to lose people over something that is a poor judgment. Why? Why would I want to do that for? Just because I, I love the First Amendment? Uh, hey, guess what? I do love the First Amendment, but it doesn't mean that I'm supposed to publish everything that comes down the line. I have my own standards, I have my own values, I have my own tastes, and, and so does the magazine. So this is what I decide on. Maybe somebody else will like that, and that's great, because I'm not against what you're doing. I'm just against it being published in my publication, that's all. And that's a big difference there that sometimes people forget. You know, they just call you a name. And it's a bad idea to do that with me because I'm going to remember you and you're not going to get published with me again, ever. Because I'm not going to play those kind of games. You should be professional. You should be polite, just like I am. This doesn't work for me. And, and that's normally what I say. This doesn't work for me. Please consult to the guidelines. You got anything else that doesn't have anything graphic? I'd be happy to see that. This isn't going to be it. I mean, there are probably other magazines that do something similar. I don't know. That would be my guess. I mean, I, I can't tell you exactly which ones do and which ones don't. I don't always monitor all of that. I hear from other editors from time to time that some stuff goes a little bit too far. Okay? And, and that's fine. I, that happens all the time. You know, I get some political stuff sometimes that's just too much. And I got some religious stuff as well that gets too much. And I tell people all the time, and I know I mentioned it in the guidelines as well, okay? Art has to come first, okay? All right, you, you're perfectly communicating with God through your cell phone. You guys are high-fiving each other to the universe, and you got the whole world solved, and all the rest of us are benighted fools. Great, but where is the poetry, okay? Because if it's all message and no poetry, you're not doing art. You're doing propaganda. That's somebody else. That's not me, okay? Same thing with the politics, your religion, all of that stuff. Don't Doesn't help. All right. So that's 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 how we are about things. That's how you, you keep to the art. It's a literary magazine. OK, well, it's not 60 minutes. OK, it's not a, it's not a, a Mother Nature magazine or, you know, a Nature Weekly or anything like that. It's just simply a literary magazine and we want to keep it that way. And that's the best way to keep it is just to keep to the literature. Now, it doesn't mean that you can't put politics in there or a message or whatever. If you're a good enough writer to put the art first and everything else second, you can still do that. Plenty of people do it. And I don't have a problem with that. As long as you're not saying anything that's outright profane or, or blasphemous, because those are still my personal standards. I'm not going to put anything in there that's going to just you know, completely you know, deride a group of people or, or, or religion or something like that. I'm just not going to do that, no matter how good of a piece of writing it could be. That's not helpful. I mean, we're going to stay away from the the hate and the bigotry as much as we possibly can, okay? And I've always reminded my international readers as well, you, you got some problems with America? That's fine. Jump on the list of everyone else that does too. But just keep in mind that 
I won't tolerate anything that's anti-American. It's just simply not going to do that. Criticize something, go for it. I don't have a problem with that. Make sure you're doing it in, in a literary fashion. Make sure it makes some sense. And don't forget, uh, like, like the Italians say, and I'm an Italian, if you say my house is dirty, you better live in a museum. And I guarantee you, if you have anything to say about my country, I'm going to look at yours and I'm probably going to find 20 things more. So let's make sure you fix your own stuff before you come over here and say anything crazy. That, that's, all I, that's all I ask. I mean, it's, it, if we're going to be fair, we're going to be fair. Because anyone knows me on the show or in the magazine, I, I'm international for a reason because I've traveled around the world and I love meeting people and seeing new things. And I'm not out there bashing different countries all the time for this, for that. You know what I mean? You got a policy difference, and I do as well with some places. That's fine. And, and I think those are civil and legitimate things to talk about. You can even write about them. You know, as long as you keep the art first, you could do that. You know, but that's not the same thing as bashing an entire culture or an entire people because you don't like the president or something, or you don't like this or you don't like that. That That's to me is unfair. And that's where we start getting into that whole anti American stuff. So let's keep that in mind. I got a lot of people here that, that, um, that submit things or I talk to on the show, uh, particularly from England and Canada, you know, and, and we get a lot from them. And in fact, on, on the international level, those are probably the highest of percentages of people that I deal with. You know, they also some of the people that they like to, they like to bash a lot over here. But, you know, I remind uh, my Canadian friends, your prime minister isn't doing all that fabulous himself over there. So let's worry about him first and not worry about this guy. And, of course, all I got to say to my British friends is Brexit, and they already got my message, okay? Because uh, if you think we have problems over here, uh, you, you really need to figure out your own first because you've got a lot more work to do than anything we got over here. So, And, and if you need any help with that, let me know because we could probably help you more than you can help us right now. All right, so that's, that's how we kind of keep things fair and how we make some sense out of things. Otherwise, people get carried away, and you don't want that to happen. You know, And that's what we do on an international basis as well and i've been really really fortunate to have some really wonderful people from around the world you know submit to the magazine uh get interviews on the show listen to the show um uh, my last count i had um 44 countries now there's over 150 so i mean i have a long way to go and who knows if i ever get to them all all right but right now we got 44 different countries listening to the show okay now, it doesn't mean that I have a, a million people listening to the show. That'd be nice, but uh, I'm not there yet, all right? But what it does mean is that I have clusters of people in 44 different countries that are listening to the show, okay? Not all those countries are, are English speakers either. So you got some people that listen to it. English is their second language, and, you know, they're enjoying it. They have some comments and everything, and, and, and that's great, and I'm really happy about that. What I've mentioned before and this is particularly for my international uh, listeners, is I'm very happy to, to bring anybody on board that has something literary to talk about, no matter where they're from. The only thing that I've noticed that becomes a stumbling block is that when, you, when you're dealing with uh, a literary magazine, it's not hard you know, to, help, to get somebody to help you with translation on a professional basis. We have a few that actually do that. It's not hard to get that done and submit that. And, and, you know, I published it. I'm very happy, and that's great. It's not the same thing when you have a show that, that, that's talking and conversing like, like the podcast. So uh, we have some folks I can't interview because their, their English, you know, um, conversational skills is just very limited. So unless they had a translator right there with them, because, you know, you could share the, the headphone and speak into a singular microphone, 
if somebody can do that, then I'd be more than happy to, to get that kind of interview out there because then I can answer my questions. We could talk. They can talk about a little bit about their life and their writing, and we could still do it. And the translator can help. I might make for a longer show, but that's fine. It's a it's a it's a it's a fine sacrifice to do something interesting, you know, and, and cross over into different borders. So far, though, we've 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 um, interviewed a number of people from different countries, but. We have yet to do anything that's strictly a, 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 on a translational basis. I can't wait to have that happen one day. But I guess a, a lot of things have to line up first for something like that to happen. And I, and that's fine. I understand that it's not such an easy thing. I had someone perfect that I would want to bring on the show. But literally, their um, translator lives in England and they live in Poland. So um, them being in the same room doing this on Skype. That's not really going to happen, nor is it practical. It's it's sad. I wish I could do something to pipe somebody in, but I don't have that kind of a switchboard for this. This is done strictly on an electronic um, mixing board uh, basis uh, along with a special program that allows me to um, tape both sides of a Skype you know, uh, call and, and convert that into a, a literary interview with two people. And, and that's it all I got is just the two people. So they have to literally be in the same place to do that so hopefully one day we can do that i just want to put that out there that i'm open to that if that can ever be arranged i'm totally fine to be there and to do that because i think that'd be very interesting i really do but you know until then we, we do our best what we have sorry i only speak english i mean maybe that makes me a typical american i'm not really sure but those are the facts and that's what we have to deal with so we go about our business the best we can. I thank you all, though, for listening, especially those that English is not their first language because we got some great uh, questions and some great input. And part of this whole uh, speech or lecture or explanation, whatever you want to call it, is because I got a couple of questions already from some international people wondering, hey, why aren't you going to be able to hit people from here, hit people from there, interview people from there, blah, blah, blah. Well, those are some of the reasons why we've, you know, it's just, I can do through um, the Facebook messenger, the phone where it's free and you can talk to somebody around the world. And if you do a pre-interview with somebody and you could barely get anything done in terms of understanding, you know, you can just imagine how the interview would go. So it's just not practical. And anybody who knows the interviewing part of our podcast, we don't do anything canned. I don't have preset questions, which is what a lot of the, the people had wanted. Can you just send me a list and then I'll just try to practice my answers the best I can for the show? It's not the kind of show I want to do. Okay? It's not a live show in the sense that this is taped and then I put it out later on. But when we're actually doing it on the Skype, it is live. And I'm letting the people talk about their lives and their writing and everything. I'm not over there to quiz them to death or, or, or do the standard boring questions that a lot of people do. You know, what brought you to writing? You know, where do you come from? Are you married? Do you have kids? It, it's, I'm not really interested in that. I just want to hear about the whole literary thing. And and that's why it's best to have something that's free form and something that's liquid and something that just simply has room for people to talk about a little bit about their lives and a little bit about their writing and their projects and their books and their ideas. And sometimes they could put all that into one interview for an hour. And sometimes, you know, they just get across the things that they feel is important but the important thing is that the writer 
gets to make these choices themselves and not being dictated to by a stupid list of questions that everybody else has been asking. I don't do stuff like that. And then, of course, the second thing is, is that they get the most time. And I really think that's important. That you have a show that's an hour. And maybe I just do a little bit of questioning here and there. Maybe ask something or throw a statement in there. But the majority of the interview belongs to them. And that's not an idle boast. Because if you listen to any of the interview shows, which you can easily do, we have a large catalog now. Remember, this is show number 75. So I got 70 other, 74 other shows before this one. You can hear all the interviews and pick anything you want. And you'll hear the same thing. You know, I don't have set questions. I ask things differently. I try to be very direct and, and, and personable and personal with people as much as possible to try to get the understanding about what they want to say and what they want to try to achieve on the show. And also, I make sure that they get the most time possible. So, I mean, if you were to track it, I mean, you're going to have people that you know, within an hour show, they're going to probably have, have spoken, you know, I, I'd say... 50 or, or more minutes. I mean, I've had shows where I probably spoke maybe a total of two, three minutes. So, And that's what I want. You, do you want to have the show? If the show is called, you know, Billy Bob Johnson interview, well, then we should be hearing from Billy Bob Johnson, not Mark Rossi for half the show. You hear me plenty of times in the standalone show, just like this. And you hear me half the times when we do the guest house thing. You know, with, with John Patrick Robbins. So, I mean, I got plenty of time to speak. I don't need to do it all the time. I mean, sometimes it's somebody else's turn. And that's that's why that interview is there. Here's somebody else. Somebody else's ideas. Somebody else's life. Somebody else's work. And, and maybe they help you, move you, or inspire you as well. And we want to be able to do that. And I, I, really, I really like that. Because that's that's really the heart of a show like this is to make sure that we're trying to, um, as best as possible, you know, lasso those people in that want to be able to do this. And, and, and we hear these different things. I mean, we've had uh, uh, poets and fiction writers and authors and playwrights. Um, we've had um, someone that did some singing, a, a children's author one, um, a musician. I mean, and I'll, I'll try to get other people as I can because it doesn't have to always be just literary. It could be artistic. I'd love to talk to somebody that did some paintings on a regular basis. you know. But again, this will be somebody that did it on a regular basis because I have questions. People are going to want to hear interesting things. It's not somebody that did one painting. I mean, I mean, unless you did the one painting, it took you five years and it came out really great. I, I don't, it's probably not a good idea to get somebody who just did one painting. You want somebody that did a, you know, a good good broad body of work but yeah that'd be great to get somebody that does uh, interesting dancing stuff you know that i mean i don't mean like disco or you know rap type dancing i mean you know something more classical you know jazz ballet you know that sort of thing tap whatever it's a, here it'd be nice to hear somebody that does that you know uh, i like to get a couple of singers on so i'm i'm looking at other uh, other people to to bring on because it's still I feel artistic, and and, and in many ways it could be literary too, just because if you think about it, um, writing can be operating in tones, and writing can be operating in in mood, and and writing can operate on on, on various levels, just like a lot of those other forms do, you know? They have a lot of of parallels, I I feel, in terms of uh, uh, persistence, in terms of patience, in terms of performance, in terms of of dealing with the fear and doubt that everyone deals with as a writer that, I mean, 
Just because you're out there dancing all the time doesn't mean you don't have that. I remember I was talking to a, a dancer one time when I was in Europe, way before, of course, I had the show. You know, and it, it, it struck me that I saw this this woman dance, and I did not see anything that was hesitant. I didn't see anything that was fearful. I, I saw I saw boldness, and I saw you know bravery. I saw courage. I I, I saw somebody that 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 pushed to the to the limits, and somebody that that knew what they were doing, uh, like how they did it in their sleep, yet. I'm having a drink with them, and they're telling me about, you know, they practically want to vomit from stage fight, and and how oftentimes they have to try to figure out how to calm themselves so they can maintain the focus to do all the things that I saw them do when I was in the audience. And you hear that, and you're like, really? You don't have it together? Even though you think they should? So you have to wonder how any of us really have it together at times. We might have our moments where we do, and other times... We're not we're just taking a chance or, or, or risking things or, you know. Imagine how difficult it is sometimes to write something when you know that you have a crowd of people behind you, whether it be your family or friends, that they hate what you're doing. They think it's stupid. They think it's meaningless. They think you're wasting your time. I mean, it sucks to feel that way and, and to hear that. Because I, I don't care how strong you are. It has an impact. So... It's a good thing to have a show like we do. And it's a good thing to have a magazine like we do to help people to get out there and to get the word. I'm, I'm sorry that occasionally we're going to have some people that take advantage and act inappropriately or act foolishly or just don't act respectfully. you know. But hey, they're going to learn when they're going out there uh, the real deal on how many magazines are not going to do things the way we do things. They're not going to get that chance. you know. I'm told by other writers i'm also told by some editors and i'm also told by just some survey that was done in poets and writers that the average magazine out there picks up less than five percent of the stuff that's sent to them why it's so small i don't know because i can't believe that everybody and the 95 percent that sent that stuff all suck because i know plenty of them that don't suck that i've published and i'm like really how the hell is anybody rejecting this this is really good so you got, a lot, you got a lot of knuckleheads out there. They reject for all kinds of stupid reasons. And, and I don't appreciate any of that. And uh, where we're a magazine that on any given month, I mean, I'm probably publishing about 60% of the stuff I receive. Okay? Easily. A bad month, maybe 50%. I'm serious. I'm looking for ways to publish people as much as I can. As long as I don't like, you know throw away my standards, or forget about who I am, I'm going to try to do as much as I can. I don't see the reason to turn people away. I got too many magazines. I got too many poems. Really? Who says you can't just save this one for the next issue? We've done that plenty of times. I just remind writers in the sternest way I can and in the politest way I can, but I'm still going to be firm about it. If I'm going to do this for you, that means that you can't be sending to somebody else. I can't be hearing some excuse two weeks later or they got picked up somewhere else. If I'm telling you I'm accepting this for the next month, I'm expecting you to keep that, keep your word, just like I am. Because I got a slot for you. It's not a joke. I'm not just saying that for the fun of it. So this is something that editors can do, but they, they need the honorable uh, intentions and they need the honesty and, and, and the integrity from the writers to be able to follow through. Otherwise, you're going to get stuck like uh, all these other magazines. They throw everything out in the garbage afterwards. All the good stuff. 
sometimes in that soulless letter they send you of rejection, there is a grain of truth. Yeah, we just couldn't get to everything, and you know, it doesn't mean you're not worthy. That's that's generally true, but there's ways around doing something better. You can get to where I'm at if you're just willing to do something a little bit more creative. You just have to make sure that people are going to sign on board. I had a few people that that happened, you know, and I and I made it really clear in the guidelines. I made it clear to them when I did that. If you do this to me, it's getting it. What I'm going to say for you is getting rejected, and I'm done with you. Then that's it. We're going to have some honor or, or, or we're not going to have anything then. It's just that simple. If we're going to stop some of the stupid things that are going on in the, in the, in the literary world, well, we got to pull together. We can't do things separately. Can't go out there just for yourself. So that works. I only had a few people that I've ever had to do that to. Everybody else has been very good about that. And I'm, I'm very happy about that. And it works. It allows me to accept more stuff. You know? So that means that oftentimes... I can accept 60% of a really good batch of things that was sent to me, but I might not be able to publish all of that in one month. I might have to spread some of that over to the next month. That works. It's a good way to keep people interested. It's a good way to keep people inspired. It's a good way to get some credits for people. It's a good way for people to, you know, to see their work for a change out, out there. And I, that's important. As a writer, I don't know what more important you can get. That's why I ask people to not take liberties and, and, and to not to be disrespectful because I, I still feel 36 years later of writing that being published is such a gift. It's such a, a blessing. It's such an exciting moment. You know, I, I feel the same way I did when I first got published in 1984. I feel the same thing. And I'm 54 years old now. That's how exciting it still is. I don't care what kind of day I've had or whatever I've been published that week or how many times I've been rejected that week. I still like, wow, wow, wow. Still got the wow on that. Still do. It might sound corny and that's fine with it, but it's the truth. And I think there's a lot of other writers that feel the same. And because I feel the same way you feel, and now that I'm also you know, an editor and a podcaster... You know, I, I, I want to be able to do whatever I can because I know how it is to feel otherwise. I just want you to be honest and honorable about the whole thing and not, not throw what we're trying to do out the window, you know, because you've grown too cynical or because you just don't really care to begin with. Thankfully, there's only a small portion of those people out there, but just keep that in mind. We're really trying to do the, the very best thing for people, and I'm very proud of the people we have. Um, this is a good opportunity, ironically enough, because I'm recording this and on the first in the evening time is when I'm going to release this, uh, this show, uh, mail, mailbag. Okay. So it just sort of works out because on the first is when I am going to, uh, release, um, the, uh, the nominees from aerial chart, uh, for the 2019, uh, pushcart, uh, prize. Okay. So let me get that list over here, okay? And I'll, I'll, I'll be good time to read it too because I'm going to put the ad out as well in the morning, but in the evening, anyone else who didn't catch that or see that or whatever, they can, they can hear about this too, and that, that makes it uh, even more fun for those folks, you know? I've gotten two of those over my lifetime, so it's always been a tremendous thing, you know? And this year, I got for the first time, I was nominated for the Best of the Net, so that was really great. Okay, so... Here's the aerial charts uh, nominations. 
uh, for um, the 2019 Pushcart Prize. Uh, for fiction, uh, Jana Begovich, if I'm saying it wrong, I'm sorry, but I'm, I'm still learning. Uh, the Other Shore. Unlike other magazines, when they put these advertisements out about everybody got nominated, they usually don't put the name of the, of the work or even the category. They just throw a bunch of names out there. I don't like to do that. I like to have a, a real frame of reference, and I think everybody else would like that too. Uh, the next one is Catherine Shields, the My Phantoms Ovaries. So, I know, what a cool cool title. I, I remember when I first saw that title, I'm like, this story better be awesome because this title is awesome and I'm expecting awesomeness. It, to me, it's like real estate with the curb appeal. If the curb looks great, I better go in that house and it better be awesome. And so, she did, did not disappoint. So, God bless you, dear Catherine. Really appreciate that. Now, there's six nominations, which means I can split between uh, three and three if I can. But it's been very difficult to do that over the last couple of years because we don't get as much short fiction as, as I like to get at, at Aerial Chart. And, and quite frankly, the short fiction I do get, it's great to publish and I'm happy with it. But I, I don't really feel that it, it, it's nomination worthy oftentimes. So last year, I was only able to do one nomination. This year, at least we've had an improvement to where I can do two. Hopefully next year we can do more. Well, it's just up to you folks. It's not up to me. All right. Uh, the poetry, we got four nominees, okay? Uh, Bruce Levine. I think that's how you say his name. Um, Autumnal Equinox. Always wanted to um, publish a lot of uh, autumn poetry. I'm an autumn fanatic. I know that sounds weird, but I am. And uh, to be able to nominate somebody that's a really good writer and did a really good autumn poem and then nominate them for the prize, well, psh, that's like, uh, you know, checking off a, a things on my list personally that I like to get done. So thank you, Bruce, for that because you're great and as a great poem and um, I'm excited. Next one, uh, Michelle Weatherall. Uh, Michelle's from Canada, so that's a guy, not a girl. And uh, the, the uh, poem is Eleven Silent Promise. I believe that comes from his Sun and Moon uh, book that's out this year. If you haven't been invited to one of his uh, events, or if you haven't saw the 17,468 ads he's had out for this book in like two weeks, um, then you need to go check it out, okay? And I'm not even making light of it. When this guy says he's going to market, and I've been telling people forever, please market, I mean, he's like a master marketer, and I'm, I'm real impressed with him, and I'm so glad that somebody is out there doing that. Uh, but also for, uh, you know, full disclosure, I, I wrote the foreword to the book. <laughs> Sorry about that. But nevertheless, it's a great book. All right. All right. And then uh, number three here, uh, Donald Dean Mace, a poem for Corinna. Uh, I, I love this poem. I, I think it's great. It's nice to have something that's a bit philosophical, a bit personal, coming off uh, still uh, clean and poetic. Not an easy task to balance all those things. He does it super well, and uh, I'm hoping that's going to be a, a, a big winner. But uh, he's a big winner just for writing that poem and, and, and getting nominated, that's for sure. Last one here, John Patrick Robbins, Neptune. Well, this is, I mean, there's a good chance that this is probably my favorite poem of the year. I mean, that, that's how good it is. I just, I, just, I just love the poem. I love what it has to say. It has a bit of a, a humor to it. It has a very serious note to it as well. It's very well written. If you know anything about Mr. Robbins, um, he's one of those uh, what they call ballroom poets, or one of those you know rough and ready rural guys that writes uh, you know about that kind of hard uh, 
living lifestyle, but this is out of the stuff that he normally does. So, you know, you could say it's a step forward. You could say it's a step sideways. You could say it's evolution in his writing. I mean, there's a lot of things you could say, but I, I say it, it ought to be nominated because it's really, it's really a, a great poem, and it's great to see people come out of what they were doing before, do something different, and then do that just as well. In fact, in, in many ways, I, I feel this is probably some of his best work is in this Neptune poem and, and uh, that book of his, um, uh, Once Upon a Nervous Breakdown. So check that out. It's a really great book. All right, so that is our six nominees. You're only allowed six, okay? And um, keep in mind that, uh, again, uh, Aerial Chart does that. It, it, it nominates people in different awards, Um Next year, I'm going to be trying to craft my own award for Aerial Chart so we can add a, a third category of not just the two ones that are out there, but maybe our own as well. And that'll, that'll be interesting and, and fun to do. And we take it, we take it seriously to give people um, some real exposure, uh, to give people some real boost in, you know, in their own writing efforts and their own writing careers. And, and, and that's how a magazine becomes really, uh, I feel, vital. And, and, and really important in, into the artistic community is when they can, they can try to pull people out and single them for their, for their great work. In many cases, um, we're dealing with writers that have been writing for quite some time but never even been nominated once in anything. So it's, it's always exciting to be able to do that as well, to bring somebody that hasn't gotten anything before. You know, I remember last year I, I did this with somebody and they also got nominated a different set of poems uh, for the push card. So they wind up getting two nominations for two different pieces of works from two different publications. So again, justifies uh, what we're doing and, and how we're judging, but also it, it really it really shows that there, there's writers out there that can really capture the the imagination or even the signs of the times and, and do something that, that that's worthy. Now, this doesn't mean that plenty of the other stuff that I published over here, it doesn't have a a way to get there one day that they do and quite frankly if they allowed more nominations i probably would have had a few more I, I have a few others on my short list but you know you have to do the best you can on on, on making on making the choices there and and as you can see right there i skewed more of the poetry than fiction just because uh, i just don't get enough fiction to really to really get the the kind of nominations i want to do so i'm like okay let's just go to the poems because i get more of that and quite frankly, I get more quality of that. So there's always more of that than there is of fiction. So you can be guaranteed that when I do pick fiction, I mean, it's fabulous because <laughs> I just don't get enough of it to, to, to really, uh, you know, uh, do more. Well, hopefully that, that will change one day. You know, we're still out there. We're still considering. But, you know, until it does, this is the best we can do under the circumstance. But I'm proud of these folks and I'm proud of all the efforts we do to help other artists. One of the last questions I've gotten is, and, and this is a very interesting one, I, I think, and it's a question that, that Primas asked, um, what do I feel about my own writing versus everyone else's and what they're doing? You know, and, and I, to me, I think it's an interesting question only in the sense that, you know, w without trying to sound too corny, it's nice to be able to hear someone ask a question about my writing versus about the editing or the podcasting. Thank you for letting me be a writer there for a moment. <laughs> so that, for that alone, it's 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 an interesting question. Well, I've been writing for so long and oftentimes far longer than most of the people that I, that I deal with. It doesn't make me any better or any worse. 
you know, it just it just means that uh, you know, I can I can write in a lot more genres because I've, I've simply had more time to do so. You're not going to get too many writers that also write poetry, uh, fiction, nonfiction with a column like I do, plays, and, and of course put together books and, 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 and of course do the editing on the magazine. I have a small uh, publishing company, Soma Publishing, that does strictly ebooks, and, and of course the you know the podcasting thing. So I, I do uh, I do a lot, you know, under the circumstance. But that's only because I, I've been in it for so long, not because you know I'm somebody that's brilliant or something. You can do anything long enough, you're gonna you're gonna get good at it, and I I'm able to do, get some of the things I want to get across because I could do it in different genres, and that makes the most sense. I find that sometimes when you get a work, and in my particular case with AC, we only accept poetry and fiction. So I mean, I might get something that I can tell in fiction that wow, if they could just do this in a different genre. Um, it, it could be a lot more effective than what they were trying to do over here. Because sometimes certain things you want to get across, they sound more clunky in a poem or in a fiction. Maybe it could have been better that it was something that was a nonfiction. Or maybe it could have been better as a, a longer short story versus a flash fiction. Or, or maybe it just would have been better bouncing dialogue in a short play, a one-act play maybe. But you might have writers that they haven't encountered those things yet. They haven't really investigated how to write those things. And oftentimes... You know, it's a it's a real chore that to to come out of yourself and do something different. I mean, I encourage it all the time, but just because I encourage it, doesn't mean that it's easy, and it doesn't mean that I take light that some people are like. I don't know about this, Mark. I'm hesitant. I'm fearful. I don't know how how do I get my feet wet. I don't know how I stand in this thing without falling. Well, there really isn't any way. You're gonna fall. You're gonna get wet. That's what it's supposed to be. But sometimes that's what it is. It it's not that the writer has uh, got themselves in such a mess with, with the particular work that they're doing that they uh, can't figure out how to get out of it, what they used to call writing yourself in a corner. No, I don't really think that happens a lot. I think it's the other way around. I think it's they're writing in the wrong genre. They should be writing the play instead of a fiction piece. Or they should have been writing a nonfiction piece versus a poem. Or they should be writing a poem versus a fiction piece. And you could tell. Because it seems convoluted and it seems compressed and it, and it seems like it, it needs to be let out of air. And you can also see sometimes that, wow, they're jamming all kinds of stuff in here. This needed really more, more, more room. So sometimes that's what people get stuck with and they don't realize that because they're like, this is what I know and I'm trying to get this done and why doesn't it work? That's, that's usually why. So I try to point that out whenever I do see that. Uh, no matter how I say that, though, it doesn't always come across very well, but I try. It's not easy sometimes. You know, I always sometimes I would think that if I could tell people as a writer certain things rather than as an editor, they might take it better. But I don't know how that's supposed to come across because, you know, in the, in the end, you know, if you're sending me something from AC, you know, aerial chart, I mean, I got to respond as an editor. I mean, as much as I'm a writer, I can't respond the same way. You got you to gotta have a different hat and a different sensibility. That's all you can do. You know what I mean? It's kind of like a child. you got to be the father. You can't be the friend. Otherwise, you're really not doing anything but handicapping them. It's the same thing with writers sometimes. You can't be so empath empathetic or, or, or even sympathetic that you forget to remind them of the standards. You forget to remind them of their responsibility. You forget to remind them about they need to explore something more maybe. Or maybe they need to revisit it this. Or maybe, like we talked about, uh, I need another title. You know, you can't just slap them on the back and say, yeah, I know how hard it is and 
I'll give this a shot because you don't do your magazine any good and you don't do yourself any good. And all that's more important is you don't do anything good for the writer. So you have to sometimes give them that uncomfortable message and you hope that, you know, it hits them in, in a way that it'll ring true. And they're like, yeah, you know, he's right. Because it's never out of meanness. It's always out of my my version of uh, uh, of love that you want someone to be able to do well. And you, you, you can't really give them the fish all the time. Sometimes you got to just teach them how to fish and hope they, you know, they catch on eventually. Sometimes that's all you can do. And it's their own digging in deep. You know, as as people. And that get stuck with all this grammar stuff. This is what too many editors are worried about. They give people grammar lessons. Sometimes they don't need a grammar lesson. They can get that later. They, they need sometimes a, a soul lesson. Or an emotion lesson. Or a mental lesson. Meaning that if they haven't figured out how to translate the candid experiences they're having through life, through their marriage, through their family... Just through their own dreams and, and, and feelings throughout the day. If they haven't figured out how to translate any of that, they're never going to be an effective writer. So what, is it, what does it matter how great their grammar is? The only times I think, read things that are perfect in grammar, perfect in structure, and, and I'm almost falling asleep. A, a, in fact, if I ever get some insomnia, I want to save a couple of these things so I can use them to get to sleep. Because that's how boring they are. So it, to be all this perfection, nonsense, creative writing course stuff... You don't always do yourself very well. And people who teach that, I mean, I'm sure they're getting themselves a salary. God bless them. But I don't know what they're teaching you. Because in the end, it's all about figuring out who you are and putting that into the work. Because once you do that, that's when you become a writer. That's when you become an identity that's different than somebody else. That's when you have your own stamp on things. Because that's what you have to do is writing. It has to be about you. Billy Bob Johnson. Okay? You can't be sounding like Jim Smith all the time. That doesn't make any sense. There already is a Jim Smith. Now we need somebody else. And once you start doing that, you're going to notice that writing becomes easier. And why is writing easier? Well, because you now have a better connection to yourself. You have a better idea about how you want to translate the things you see, the things you understand, the things you don't understand. Okay? I love to see a poem about, hey, I don't understand a lot of things in life and make it poetic. I, I read a couple like that every month. I usually publish a lot of them because they're so clever and interesting. A whole poem about, I don't understand stuff. Great. Join, join the list with the rest of us. Cool. Let's go have a Dr. Pepper, okay? All right, I like that. But that's what it's all about. Trying to find out something about yourself through writing. It doesn't have to be some kind of therapeutic session. Just some basic things. Because that's how you carve your own identity. And that's ultimately how you become the writer that you're supposed to be. And not the writer that someone told you you're supposed to be in some classroom or some internet webinar. I, I didn't make this word up, webinar. I want to find out who made that word up because I want to talk to them about it. Because it's really a stupid word, webinar. Please. It's, that's, that's corny. Alright, that's corny. You know. But don't let anyone dictate that to you. I'm not even trying to dictate to you. I'm just telling you that your writing will dramatically be improved when you start finding out more about yourself and translating that into some writing. Okay? It could start raw. You can craft it later. Don't worry about the grammar until later. Okay? 
All this nonsense about, you know, uh, grammar first and then feeling second, that's stupid. Don't listen to anybody that's saying that because those people are mechanics, okay? And they're more typers than they are writers because that's not, that's not writing, that's typing, okay? Yep, got to have a semicolon after however and whatever, okay? That's nonsense, okay? I've never rejected a poem uh, because uh, the punctuation was off. Or, or because uh, we had a couple of grammatical issues here and there. Those are, those can be addressed while still saying, hey, this poem is great. This poem is going in the right direction. I like this over here. I got a couple little things over here i like you to fix. And let's rock and roll with this thing. And that's it. That's simple. Sometimes I'll fix them in-house and let the writer know, are you okay with this? Other times, hey, go check this out and, and, and go fix this and get back to me. That's it. But you don't have to get all stuck on it. Because... It's all about that emotion. It's all about that mental state you put in through. It's all about that experience. It's all about who you are bringing it to the writing, folks. That's what you need to be doing. And if you don't do that, you're not going to get anywhere. You're going to be frustrated. You're going to be upset. You're going to be grumpy. You're going to take 77,000 uh, creative writing courses. I don't understand why I'm not creative. I've taken all these courses. Yeah, no. The only thing creative in creative writing is the people that created it they're creative because they figured out a creative way to get your debit card number and put it in their pocket, okay? But you're not going to learn a whole lot from any of that stuff. You're just not. You're better off doing it yourself. You will not believe what you'll learn, and you'll be a better person for it. You'll be a better writer for it, and you're definitely going to have more of a chance of being accepted in magazines like, like mine that want to see real work. They want to see work that, that, that has an impact. They want to see work that rings true. That, that knocks you over the head sometimes or, or lifts your your spirit up or, or, or gets your eyebrow going. You know, versus uh, my grandmother died of a disease that nobody can pronounce in Latin and it makes me feel bad and then I had a cup of coffee at Starbucks. I mean, I, I, I see that stuff all day long in other magazines. Sometimes I even publish next to people like that and I'm like, oh my God, what am I getting myself into? But you don't know what they're going to pick. And you don't know if they're going to pick you or not. Sometimes I'm like, how do they pick me when I have some real emotional impact over here? And I got this stuff over here that's that's lifeless. You know? It's like a it's like a, it's like a cemetery with an iPhone in it. I mean, come on. But I'm not even going to say it to each his own. I just, I, I, I object to that sort of stuff. That's why I started the magazine in the first place. I wanted to do something that was real. I wanted to do something that was... Not only literary, but something that, that made some sense for the, live, the life that we lived in. You know, not, not trying to write something from the 1970s and, and say how hip and cool and, and creative you are. You know? Or, or this new form of flash fiction that looks like commercial fiction. And they, they sort of, all they really did was they make a mini short story, call it the new flash fiction, and now they're teaching this in classes. You know, if you ever look at these stories, that's all they are. They're commercial fiction that's been shortened. Usually it's fluff, it's boring, it's not that interesting, but this is supposed to be the new thing. And they teach this sort of stuff because in the end, this is a good moneymaker, it's a good gimmick, but how literary it is, how useful it is, you know, I wouldn't spend any money on it at all. And I don't see anything like that. And quite frankly, anyone that says that kind of that work to me, it better be fabulous because if it's not, it, it's just going right out. I'm like, nope, this is, this is boring. Okay? The same rule... For writing should be the same rule I have on my show, you know? No profanity and don't be boring. <laughs>
You know, those are the, but, you know, at least don't be boring. That's 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 the important thing. And when you become boring, you're not really writing anymore. You just you're just typing up a bunch of sentences together and then tying it in with some good grammar. And somehow you think you've made something happen, but you haven't. You know, it, it's like digging up the dead hamster from three days ago and trying to put some lightning bolts in it and with a car battery or something. You know, it's not, it's not. I'm doing everything, but it still won't come alive. Yeah, because it's dead. And it's going to stay that way, okay? So, wake up from that nonsense. Come on all over to Aerial Chart, okay? Aerialchart.blogspot.com. Um, we're going to be getting our domain over here, actually, uh, very shortly. <laughs> so, we'll just be, uh, you know, Aerialchart.com, thank God. And we're excited about the, the new, um, the new uh, I guess you could say the the makeover we did. We had like a bit of a facelift, a, a new structure to it all. It looks a whole lot better. It's a lot more, a lot more practical, and it's a lot more organized. So I'm, I'm very happy with it. We got some great comments on that. So I'm always excited to do something that that that, that makes it look really good and makes it look that a place that people want to keep coming back to. It's the same thing with Strength to Be Human. You know, we we episode number seventy five, which we're recording right now, and. I'm very happy to say that, you know, I'm just as excited as episode one. I, I really am. I've been, I've had a great time doing it. I continue to do it. You know, I haven't really done the math yet, so I don't know if I'm reaching a hundred by the end of the year or not. I'm not really sure how that works. I'm thinking not because if I'm doing about eight episodes a month, and you still got October, November, December. That's three more months at 24, and it's it's cutting it close. I might have to do like 10 or 11 episodes one of these months just to be able to get to 100. I don't know how exciting it is to be at 100 now. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I might get a little bit more excited when I get later on and, you know, figure it out. But um, it's moving along as I expected it would. We got people that continue to subscribe. We got great comments. We got some really great topics. Um. I, I try to stay interesting and fresh as much as possible. Um, I've had a few people that have, have asked me to do a few topics, which I've done already. And, and, and I'll do a few more here. October is going to be a very interesting uh, month. Uh, we're going to continue with the, um, with the Illuminated Path series where we talk more in depth about, uh, about uh, book publishing and, and marketing and stuff like that. And also, um, we have a classic spotlight. We're going to do Harlan Ellison uh, in October. I always do that in the latter part of the month, okay? Because it takes a little while to do a little bit more research. I, even though I know a lot of these writers very well in terms of their works over the years, I still like to find different things out to make the show interesting. And it's always cool to discover something new. And I'm, I'm telling you, every show I've done so far, with the exception of Edgar Allan Poe, because there was nothing I talked about Edgar Allan Poe I didn't know already. I mean, I just know so much about him. But all the other writers, I wound up finding something new that I didn't know before. And I, I was really, really, really familiar with those writers. But I still learned something new. And uh, I, I'm sure the same is going to happen with Harlan Ellison, too. Although he is a different creature in entirety. So it's going to be very interesting. But I'm, I'm, I'm very fortunate to be able to do that. And it's going to be a whole lot of fun. Of course, we've got a lot of interesting standalone topics. Um, I know we're going to do one on technology and the arts. That's going to be uh, very interesting. I, I, I'm going to do a couple of um, shows about faith and fear. And that, that'll be fun. And, and how we tackle those sort of things. And how they you know, relate to writing in our own inner lives. I want to do a show about health and writing. About people trying to take care of themselves better. Because we continue to learn, uh, especially from the Classic Spotlight series, how these writers 
dropping dead before they're even 60. But, I mean, God bless you sitting there typing all day, but you know, you got to get out. You got to walk around the block. You got to like 12 couple miles in now and then. Leave the subway in the subway, okay? I mean, and, and please uh, put down the cigarette once in a while. So that killed a lot of writers. And now, and you can always argue, well, they were from a different generation where we didn't stress, you know, no smoking and better eating and blah, blah, blah. Hey, that's all true. But, you know, I know plenty of writers right now that are doing the same stuff. So, you know, I really like to see some people get that a little bit more thought. All right. Uh, I do. I take it. I, I take it pretty darn seriously. And so I'm not going to go around preaching anybody on the show. But I will say that there's a real connection to um, taking care of yourself and writing. It helps your state of mind. It helps your energy level. I mean, imagine putting a whole day in work. And then you got to take care of your wife and your kids. You know, maybe you got to clean the house up because you got some guests coming. Or you got you know, soccer and, and tennis and all this other stuff they got to do with the kids. I mean, you could be putting a long day in. And then you want to sit down there and, and write a little bit of something from some of your notes. And you just like, you blot out of it. You know, or again, if I got to do a podcast, you know. You know, I, I remember telling my friend John, and that's John Patrick Robbins, I, I said, listen, man, if I ever get to the point where I have to force myself to do the show, I won't do it anymore, because I don't want to do that. It has to be a free, fun, and interesting experience. But I can't do that if I was smoking 57,000 cigarettes and drinking 400 brandies and, you know, um, spinning, spinning the, the, the astrological wheel to see what star is in my favor or something. That's not really going to do any good for me. So I, I think it's very important that we do give some consideration to uh, how we how we deal with our health. And, and I don't mean just in, in terms of uh, smoking and drinking or drugs, but I also mean some of the basics, you know, sleeping and, you know, mental, you know, fitness and, 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 and emotional awareness and, you know, um, maybe some basic diet stuff that, that, that helps you. You know what I mean? You can't eat greasy garbage stuff all day and you're wondering why at 9 o'clock at night you feel like you're going to pass out. Well, I don't know. Your body's like been beaten up all day, so it's tired, okay? And then if it is, again, you've got to fight against those forces to get something creative done. So sometimes having a better healthy outlook or have very healthy habits is going to help you with your writing as well. So we're going to talk about something like that and you know, try to find an interesting mix to it all. I'm not going to preach too much, but I'm just going to mention some things I do, some of the things I notice, some things I hear about, you know, and, and see if it has some impact. I mean, you, you might feel it, it could be useful, you know. Sometimes it's just a matter of getting more sleep, which I know is easier said than done because I'm like one of the worst people on this subject. But I'll still talk about it. I won't feel like a hypocrite because I'll just disclose for you, you know, my sleep habits and some of the stuff I do, and you'll be horrified, of course. But at least you'll know that I'm being honest when I'm talking about it. And um, you got to improve on what I'm doing, and i got to improve what I'm doing, okay? And uh, But I think it'll be interesting, and it'll be fun, something different that, that again, no one's talking about health and, and, and literary. So that'll be interesting, and I'm, I'm definitely excited and, and ready to do that. And as always, I'm trying to find interesting topics that might be a little bit different or mysterious that, that I'll just sort of reveal as we go along. And I'm not going to try to give away the whole month of October. But it's going to be an interesting and a fun month. And no, there's not going to be anything about Halloween in October. I love Halloween. Great for the kids. It's one of my favorite holidays when I was growing up. But uh, we're not doing anything Halloween, okay, on the show. Sorry. This, there's no point in it, all right? Somebody asked me, can you do a horror show about literary horror? Yeah, I can, but 
I'm not really sure what it, 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 it helps or what it does, you know, because you can't cover everything, you know. It's the reason why when you notice, and if anyone has noticed, because no one asked me this so far, but I'll just tell you outright. Classic Spotlight, is that that's what it is, a spotlight on classic writers, okay? But I always put in there thoughts on this, I don't know, Huxley, thoughts on, you know, James Baldwin or whatever. The reason I use thoughts is because that allows me to not get beat up by people saying, you didn't cover this, you didn't cover that. Well, it's just thoughts on it. I picked on some things that I like. Some things I think interesting. It gives you a, a brief understanding of the uh, of the of the writer and some of the stuff they've done, and that's that. You want to learn more? Go find out some more. I'm not here to do four hours on on one writer, okay? No matter how much I like them, that's why I put thoughts in there. Because if I just did something like you know, you know, bio of Baldwin or you know the life of Dickens or whatever, I mean, you never cover everything before someone's going to say, well, what about this and what about that? You know, so that's the only way to get around that is to simply do that. You know, I don't mean it to be a gimmick. It's just an honest way of going about things. These are my thoughts on it. That's it. It's not. I'm not trying to cover all the bases. Okay, if you want it all covered, you got to do that yourself. I only could do so much. All right. And it's the same way with a lot of a lot of these a lot of these shows. You 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 try to get in the the meat and the heart of things as much as you can, and then you have to move on. But I still think it's a lot more uh, interesting. And, and, and diverse and, and informative than, than a lot of other shows out there. And I, I appreciate you uh, very much for sticking with me and asking these questions, even if they're tough. Even sometimes they're unfair. Oh, well, that's what you get when you, you put yourself out there. And that's why a lot of people don't do this because sometimes, you know, they don't want to have a, a target on their back or they don't want somebody being snarky. I get that a lot. Oh, well, you know, I, I don't claim that I have the thickest skin in the world, but I, my skin isn't that thin. I, but I, I have no problem to be, you know, to, to respond back on anybody on anything if I feel it's necessary. I'm not shy, and I'll, and I'll do what I, I think is necessary. But I, I respect the fact that, you know, you got people that listen, you got people that publish, and, you know, they're going to have some uh, contrary views. And, that, and that's fine. I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm big boy with big pants, okay? So, and I, I expect everyone to, to, to be the same. All right, folks, until next time, that was uh, Strength to be Human, uh, my uh, mailbag episode. I think I want to do nothing like this maybe in a couple months or maybe even early next year. It's sort of like the, the Q&A. You know, you want to, it takes a while to gather all that up, and then you could just do a whole show on it. So it'll, it'll happen again. But it, it's interesting to get some of that out there and do it in a, in a more unconventional manner and also in a more breezier manner. I don't have to fit, you know, an exact uh, timeline or an exact... Uh, you know, agendas to things like I, I usually try to do. I mentally sort of put it in order and then, you know, go about things. So I, I like that. It, it, it was definitely fun, and I hope it was, uh, it was helpful and informative and you got something out of it. Until next time, folks, God bless. Strength to be human. This is your host, writer, Mark Anthony Rossi. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. Follow the show and support our efforts by purchasing an ebook at Soma Publishing, www.somapublishing.com. <laughs>